It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807 at News Talk WSB, 60 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you want to do or don't want to do or have some success at doing. I'm here to help. 404-872-0750 or by Twitter with the hashtag AskWalter. And we did get a response back from the woman who had deer eating her dianthus. And actually, what did she say? So Red Horse responded, and she said for sure she does know that it's deer. She's actually seen them eat the dianthus, uh, so it's newly planted. That's she it. chose that specifically so they wouldn't eat it, but she says they munch on the tops, and then they stop. <laughs> so what can she put on it to make it taste bad to repel the deer? You know, I've had some gardeners have reasonable success with a product called Liquid Fence. I'm not sure where it's available, but Liquid Fence seems to be one of those that does more often than not keep deer away. And it makes sense that the deer would pull it out of the ground if it's newly planted, because deer, you know about deer teeth, actually, they only have bottom teeth. You know that, right? So they only have the bottom teeth, and the way they munch on things is by grabbing it with their mouth, and the bottom teeth pull up, up, up. And if it's a newly planted dianthus and they're pulling it up, up, up to try to munch off the top, then that's why it comes out of the ground. So, okay, liquid fence, deer taking the dianthus. I stand corrected. It was not armadillos or squirrels, either one. When do you use chili pepper? Does that work on deer or is that just more of a squirrel thing? I don't see why it wouldn't work on deer, too. There are There's a product called Repel-X, R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X, the little pills that have capsaicin or the hot stuff. Um, in that, that seems to me to be absorbed by the plant, uh, in the sap of the plant, rather than by the uh, rather than by the leaves. So what I would do on that one is uh, put the Repel-X pellets down at the base of the plant and see if that would keep some of them out. But I think liquid fence is probably easier to find. Thank you. Twitter yeah, is a very good way to interact with our Twitter listeners. Twitter is it? awesome. Again, hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. Patricia is in Cartersville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Patricia, good morning. Yes, sir. We have several pecan trees that's coming up. They're near the pecan trees where the squirrels have planted them. I yeah. want to know if they, when they get big, will they produce good pecans? Yeah, well, wait a second. You started with will they produce, and then you put in the good pecans, and that's where the, hmm, that's where the dividing line is. Yes, they'll produce. Will they be good pecans? Mm, that's a good question. Because, I mean, you know, uh, Patricia, that a parent, you don't quite know what your kid's going to look like. It's going to be handsome and beautiful like the mother and father or sort of funny like Uncle Ralph or sort of squat and you know short like Aunt Esther. Because genetics is a funny thing. And when you have these seedling pecans that come up from the little pecan nuts, you don't know what pecan tree contributed to the pollen that made that seed happen. Is it a big, tall, big-nutted pecan or one that's a little scrawny and gets diseases every day? I don't know. They're real close to the, the good pecan tree that they came from. You have a chance, then, that you'll get the good genetics from the good pecan tree. But I will not promise you that you're going to get good pecans from every little seed that comes up. Okay, well, thank you. It is a, it is a, you know, one of those things you have to wait and see, and that's what you're going to have to do. Wait and see, Patricia. All right, thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. All right, bye bye. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty to get you in to take Patricia's place. Phil is out in Shambly, and Phil joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Phil. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? 
I've got a mature gardenia bush uh, that I'd like to transplant. Yeah. It's probably about five feet high and about five or six feet in diameter. Mm. Been wanting to move it for a while. Just want to know when I can do it and what I need to do. Uh, again, because I'm looking at Storm Tracker radar, I'm thinking, is it raining at your house yet, Phil? Just started. All right. Well, it's going to get heavier, so probably not really. <laughs> Don't move it right now because it's going to rain. I wasn't going to do it today. Yeah. Um, maybe tomorrow afternoon after the storms have cleared out around Atlanta would be a good time to do it. But I want you to do it sooner rather than later, simply because right. the ground is going to be so soft and moist. It'll be easy to dig and easy to move the uh, dirt around a little bit to plant it in the new place. So sooner rather than later. And I think probably on a gardenia you'd be better served by pruning it back by about about a half, I'm thinking. So it's five feet high now. I'd run it down to at least three and um, plant it in the new place. You're not going to get a bunch of blooms on it this year because of that pruning, but I think for the overall health of the gardenia, and you're going to promise me to water it in July, if you do all that, then I think it'll survive. You'll have a nice-looking gardenia at least next year for blooms. All right. That's what I needed to know. All right. Tomorrow after the rain. All right, Phil. Thanks for calling. Take care. We've got uh, Alan on the line out in Marietta in Cobb County. Hey, Alan. Good morning. Hi there. Hi. I lived down in Albany for a while. I was a down there, and yeah. I had me a real nice garden, grapes and butter beans and peas and corn, and the deer were just killing it. <laughs> I mean, you come out in the morning, and every leaf yeah. on the grape plant was stripped off there. What'd you do? So we decided we were going to figure out how to get rid of deer. So we started making up concoctions. The best one is to find you the hottest Tabasco sauce you can find. Okay. Empty a whole bottle into a gallon. Get you some of that concentrated lemon juice. Yeah. Spray it in there real good. And then mix it up real good. Spray it around the plants. Do not spray it on the plants because it will kill the leaves. Yeah. I mean, I had squash and watermelons and you spray it on the leaves and they just die. The lemon juice, I think, <laughs> exactly. is, is a hot. bad boy there. The acid of the lemon juice might burn the leaves off of it. But then yeah. if you spray it around the plant, I get that the, the lemon juice would give you some, some smell, but Tabasco sauce, does that have much of a smell when you spray it on the ground around the garden? Well, anyway, we're sitting out on the porch at like 5 o'clock in the morning waiting on them with shotguns, so and he's about <laughs> giving up everything. And they come out there, and they start hitting the, the grape plant. Yeah. Next thing you know, two of them are rolling on the ground, Coughing, spitting. I mean, it was just almost hilarious to watch them do it. I mean, we just sprayed on there a couple hours before, like yeah. at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. They were rolling around the ground, stomping, snorting, everything you could think of. They could never be, came back. Could be just <laughs> bucks out there, young deer that roll around like cows do. Sometimes they roll around in the grass. I, you know, I'll take your advice under advisement, Alan, and say other listeners who want to try the Tabasco okay. lemon juice concoction and spray it around your garden let me know if it works how about that but the we'll other find one out. is that uh our neighbor would shoot a deer every year <laughs> uh-huh. and he would take the deer blood oh my god sprinkle it around all the plants he had yeah he has not had deer problem in years since he's been doing that uh, in atlanta alan i'm not going to recommend that particularly I know, but, you know so. if you know somebody shoots a deer or has deer uh-huh. have them get the deer blood and it's true. And just water it down and sprinkle it around the plants, and they will not come around uh, the scent of a dead deer. Except all the dogs in the neighborhood and the raccoons come in and dig it up, trying to see what is that here. It smells so good. Well, we had we just armadillos and stuff down there, you know, yeah. hogs and 
that was the least of our worry. <laughs> All right. Alan, some great, uh, interesting stories, advice. We'll let other people try and see if they work. Thanks for calling, man. All right. All right, Alan. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 404. Well, you know the number. I'm not going to repeat it one more time because i got James on the line. I'd rather talk to him than repeat the phone number. James, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, James. Hi, Walter. How are you doing? Hey, am I right? What's going on? So uh, I moved into a home this year, or end of last year. Uh, it's a great home, but it's on an elevation about 15 feet above the main street level. Yeah. And uh, the, the previous owners didn't do a lot of yard work. And so the slope in front of my house has no soil. It's just all Georgia clay. Uh, yeah. And I'd like to figure out a way. How do, how do I build that up incrementally? Is there a, is there a method I could use yeah. to, to build that up to get some soil besides like building a retaining wall? Just oh, wait, 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 wait. You stopped me just before the part that besides building a retaining wall. That's the only way to do it is to build little terraces down the hill. So small terraces. Yeah, small terraces. They don't have to be high. They can be one. You know, honestly, I like those pre-manufactured blocks that you can buy at the big box stores. And if you can wield a shovel for a few minutes to make a horizontal course around the face of the slope and put those blocks one block, maybe two high, and then move down the slope, depending on how high it is, but move down the slope another four or five feet and then put another course of block along the face of the slope to flatten things out because that's what washed all the soil off to begin with. It was too much of a slope. The rain came down, it washed the soil off, and now you don't have anything growing there. So you've got to flatten it out a little bit, and terraces have been used for a million years, or well, at least for 100,000 years of modern agriculture. So you've got to learn to terrace a little bit in your, in your landscape. All right, and terraces like that. I looked at the projects. Maybe I was thinking higher, a yeah. higher wall, and, and the expense of that. But uh, drainage. Well, depending Is drainage on a concern with no, that. No, not with those pre-manufactured block because the joints between them are big enough to let drain that water drain through them just fine. If it was a five-foot wall, yeah, you got to worry a lot about drainage and engineering and all the other things you have to worry mm -hmm. about with soil pressure and water pressure behind, but. If it's just one or two blocks high, that should not be a problem at all. Well, that's not a bad idea. So just literally terrace, not one huge wall. Literally, that's what I was thinking. Two or three but, of them, yeah, two or three of them successively right. down the face. And you know, one of the best places in the world, James, to get instructions on things like this, YouTube. If you go to YouTube and say build terrace wall or short wall, you're going to find a bunch of different things there to give you good, clear pictures of what to do, when, and how, and how to level it out to begin with. And that's where I would start. All right. Well, thank you, sir. All right. Thanks for calling, James. Thank you. 404-872-0750. I want to make a song out of it. It's 817 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Storms this afternoon, rain pretty likely all over the Atlanta area. Highs in the low 70s, 70 to 72 degrees. Overnight lows in the high 50s, 57, 58, maybe 59 degrees this afternoon. About the same tomorrow, storms in the morning and clearing out a little bit tomorrow afternoon. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Vince is in Gainesville, and Vince joins us on Lawn and Garden. Morning, Vince. Good morning. Morning. What's up? 
I got a, about an acre of land. I, the only thing I did different is plant grass seed, but I got a, a fox that keeps hanging around. Huh. I'm just wondering what, what he could be after. Chickens. Do you have chickens? <laughs> <laughs> no, no chickens. <laughs> He's not after any plants in the yard. I mean, the only harm that I can think of is sometimes fox make their dens underneath shrubbery um, and dig a hole underneath. I suppose that might, you know, dry out the roots a little bit. But generally speaking, I don't think there's anything to worry about having a fox on the property other than oh. to chickens, chickens and birds and pigeons and things like that. That's not a good thing, but nothing yeah. else. What about animals? Do they? You mean like dogs, dogs and cats or cows and horses? Yeah. Uh, generally, fox is not going to attack other than very small animals. Maybe a cat. Yeah, that's a possibility, I guess. Coyotes, of course, are the bigger predator of the dogs and cats outdoors at night. Um, so fox is not as big, of course, as a coyote and not quite as aggressive as a coyote is. They don't feed quite like a coyote does, but I think a fox could be to a small dog left outside at night or a cat. Maybe they would be a danger to them. And and how successful will I be with this grass seed I planted? You should be. When did you plant it? About two weeks ago. Well, you ought to be seeing a little bit of green by now, I would think, Vince. Yeah, I, I have been seeing a little bit, but will it last through the if you get a hard freeze, will it last? It'll turn a little bit brown on the tips. It's a common question this time of year from several people who have commented that their fescue they planted back in the fall has brown tips, yellow and brown tips on it, and that is cold weather damage 100%. That's what that is. So this new grass you planted, if we have freezing 25, 26-degree weather in the next two or three weeks, yeah, your grass is going to turn yellow at the tips, but it's not going to die. Fescue tolerates uh -huh. well, it's cold weather just fine. The one thing, though, that you do need to do is to fertilize it, Vince. So did you do any fertilizing when you planted? No. Okay, that's the next job for you to do. Get some just regular lawn fertilizer, whatever's on sale, and put that out now and another time in early April. And, boy, that grass is going to be green, green when it comes out of the ground. But the fox, the fox will stay away, and hopefully no problems there. It's 827 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Next up, Mickey Gazaway and Pike Nursery is going to have a nice, very nice pike pick for the weekend. Stick around for that at 8.35. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.36 at News Talk WSB, 61 degrees. Still rain all over most of the metro Atlanta area, some a little bit more severe than other places, but you can see it moving through Alabama. It's moved quickly this morning, then up through Rome, Canton, and into Gainesville right now. So rain this afternoon. Those of you going downtown for the march at Centennial Park, bring your umbrella. There'll be a big crowd down there, and we'll have a lot of fun. It's 8.36, and you know what? I would love to talk to my friend Mickey Gasaway at Pike Nursery because... 
I have such a good time going to Pike Nursery this time of year because the hellebores look so good. Absolutely. They're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, and Ashley, hers are sprouting up, and they're just, I had such a good time this past Monday. I didn't use pike hellebores because I had so many extras in my own yard that I went to Oakland Cemetery and beautified my plot at their big day of service there. Oh, sweet. Oh, I love it. All over my plot and ferns. You know, that is one of my favorite places in Atlanta anyway. I love Oakland Cemetery. For the listeners who don't know what this place is, Oakland was the first um, municipal cemetery in Atlanta because all the church yards back in the 1800s had filled up full of full of church parishioners and so the city needed a place to put people who didn't have a church and they you know, opened up Oakland in several acres and then added on to it over the years and many many famous people buried there Margaret Mitchell and Bobby Jones and yeah. Jackson other mayors of Atlanta and so it's a great peaceful park-like setting near the zoo wonderful place to go and just hang out for an afternoon bike or walk with the family or something like that. It's really terrific It place. is. It's beautiful. And I love when they have the tours. Oh, yeah. Oh, lots Those of tours. Lots of tours. Valentine's tour, That's the fun. Halloween tour. They said that the Halloween tours sell out by midsummer. So oh, I know. Go, I'm sure it does. Better it's great. Makeup, and when they have Bobby Jones comes out from his <laughs> his grave in <laughs> I don't know so much about that, Miss Gazaway. Oh, yeah, they do. When I went, he comes and he talks. You know, it's a guy dressed up like Bobby oh. Jones. And he oh. tells all about his, um, you know, what he did in Atlanta. And uh-huh. Margaret Mitchell, the same thing. It's great. It's well, wonderful. Cool place. It's really fun. All right. So let's get down to business here. we got Pike Nursery. And we have, of course, a great weekend Pike pick. So what is on sale this weekend? Is all the birding supplies. Nice. Once again, that's a terrific thing. I hope people took advantage of it. We had the same sale two or three, four weeks ago, I guess. Yes, we did. And birds need feed. They need suet. They need sunflower seed. They need feeders. They need some nest boxes for the bluebirds. All that available at all Pike Nursery stores. That's right. But it's just today for 20% off. Ooh, get on to it then. And tomorrow it's just today. Just today we got to go in. So so. you got to get out here today and get it. But we've got some really, really nice things, some great seeds. I don't know about you, but the birds are eating me out of house and home. The suet has disappeared. uh, They are really cleaning out my feeders fast. And so if you need something to bring the birds, if you enjoy watching birds, all you have to do is put a feeder up and the birds will come this time of year. That's right. Also, um, we're going to have a class this morning at West Cobb. We've had this class at several. We're we're trying something new. We're doing classes um, at different stores, not at all the stores at one time. And we we did it at Peachtree City, and we did it at Johns Creek and uh, Lindbergh, and today we're having it at West Cobb. And you are the teacher? It's going to be on birding. All right. You're the teacher for the class. And there's some great handouts. we got some good door prizes, so hope everybody will come. All you have to do for the pipe pick today only, by the way, for the birding supplies, yeah. go to the cashier with your cart loaded up with bird houses and bird feeders and seeds and say, hey, Mickey and Walter said this is the pipe pick. You get 20% off on anything that's birding related in that cart, and that is a terrific deal. That's exactly right. Fabulous and this deal. morning I was going to mention, too, that we're going to talk about other things besides just the feeders and things like that. We're going to talk about the habitat right. for the birds right. in your garden. So you'll see what you need, to, the plant material and things like that you need to have to draw the birds so you'll have a more diverse Sure, because you want shelter, so. you want a little bit of berries, some of the berrying that's plants. That's right, place for them to raise their young. Yeah, that's it. All right, Mickey, I have a, an assignment for you. For next Saturday. Okay, I love assignments. This is a question that I had this past week with an email. Someone said, we have big holly bushes in our backyard, and every year mockingbirds go and make nests in the holly bushes, and they drive our cat to distraction. 
So, Gasway, between now and next Saturday, you think of me an answer for this person of what to do about the mockingbirds and the holly bushes that do not involve harassing or doing anything illegal to them, but will keep them oh, away no, from of course people's not. hat. Cat. So you figure that I'm out. I'm going to think about that, and I'll let you know what I think. All right. I Vicky would probably is, say, huh? my cats stay in the house and look at them out the window. Ooh, but... They don't want to do that. The cat goes outside during the day. Oh, okay. All right. Mm, all okay, right. I'll think about it. All right, then. Great talking to you. Where would we look to find all the pike locations where all the birding supplies are on sale today? At PikeNursery.com. And please come to West Cobb today for our bird, birding thing. It's at 9 o'clock, so you have to get in the car and hurry. Indoors, rain, doesn't matter. Indoors, Indoors yeah. are no wets out there. Thanks for calling me. Right. Thanks for being Thanks. with me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. 404-872-0750 is the number you can dial. I'll take Mickey's little slot right here. Uh, Fermina is in Augusta, way over in Augusta in Richmond County. Hey, Fermina, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Actually, I'm in Atlanta driving. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I have a question about my pomegranate tree. Yes, yes. Actually, it's only one, but I've had it for about five, six years, and it just is not producing. Hmm. <laughs> I had, like, about three, four blooms uh, two years ago, yeah. and last year I had about ten blooms, and it looked like one of them was going to have a pomegranate, and then it fell off. All right, let's think of two things. Number one, is it in full, full sunshine? No, because Augusta gets a lot of sun. So uh -huh. what, it, what it is is one of my neighbor's trees kind of shades it. Mm -hmm. But I've been trimming his um, limbs. All right. So well, that would that would be one limiting factor to the pomegranate. It does love full sun, and the more sun it gets, the more blooms, the more fruit. Everything works in the sunshine. So that's one thing. Could be limiting fruit. Another thing is pomegranates are pollinated by moths and occasionally by bats outside, mostly by moths. So if you are using a lot of insecticides in the garden or in the landscape, or if you have a landscape crew that comes and does mosquito control, for instance, and you're killing moths that would do normally pollination for the pomegranate, that could be a limiting factor, too. So... Between the two of them, sunshine or insecticide, I would try your best to fix one or both of those conditions and hopefully get a few more blooms on them, on the pomegranate. Oh. So do, should I cross, like, should I pollinate myself, maybe? Well, now, 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 Permina, yes, you can. Uh, that is easy to do. You know when the tubular orange flowers are hanging down out of the pomegranate. Take a... Um, a little tiny, it can be a Q-tip or an artist brush, a little tiny brush, and go in there and just sort of wiggle it around in the flower and go to the next one that's open and wiggle it around in there. And do that maybe twice a day while the, while the flowers are open. They're only open for two or three days. Yeah. And uh, if you see a little fruit form at the base of that flower, you have been successful. You are a mother of a pomegranate. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. All right, drive safely. Okay, bye-bye. We've got Chris and Conyers who joins us. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? A couple of questions. I'm, I want to grow a fig tree. I've never um, uh, took, a, I took a chance on even making it happen. Yeah. Um, it's something completely new to me. And I was wondering, the area that I live in in Conyers, is it a, a good opportunity and when is it? Whether I should do a seed or a plant. Figs grow best from plants, and they're going to grow pretty big, so you can be sure you have a lot of room, Chris. you got to have at least 10 or 15 feet wide and maybe 10 feet high for a fig to be happy in Georgia. Boy, 
boy, this is a bad connection, too. We're going to have to put you down here, get the volume a little bit lower. I think Chris has gone away anyway. But basically, figs have a lot of room, need a lot of room, and so they're basically done from plants. You buy either Celeste or brown turkey. Let's see, where else, what other would you get? There's one called Brunswick, has golden fruit on it. I see what some people have, but those are the three that do best in Georgia, and all three of them. Brunswick probably is the smallest one of the three, but they all three need good bit of room to spread out in. Thanks for calling, Chris. Drive safely. Sorry about the connection we had right there. Stephen is in Monroe and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Stephen. Good morning. I have a tea olive yeah. that has been in the same spot for probably close to 10 years, and it just does not prosper in the location I have it in. I think my ex-wife planted it too close to the house. <laughs> Don't blame but, everything on her. Come on now, Stephen. <laughs> but what I really want to know is, can I transplant it? And if I can, what can I do to make it bloom and grow? There are numerous gardeners who heartily believe that unless they've moved a plant at least a couple of times, they haven't really found the right place for it. And if the osmanthus is not doing well in one place, it's a tough plant. Yes, you can transplant it pretty easily. How big do you think it is right now, Stephen? It might be three feet tall. Oh, plenty. All right, great. Easy, easy, easy. Um, and perhaps maybe it's not too close to the wall. Maybe it just didn't have a big root system area that your wife or whoever planted loosened up. And so that's what you want to give it in the new place where you put it. Full sun is all at once, and nice area for the roots to spread out in. Maybe loosen an area three or four feet in diameter and plant it in the middle so the roots can spread easily. And uh, lo and behold, within a year or so, you should be smelling something real nice in the yard. Okay, I have one other quick question. Real quick. I've asked you this before. My blueberries <laughs> yeah. still produce fruit, but before they ripen, they dry up and drop. What I say last time? Uh, Cottonseed meal. <laughs> that didn't help. What am <laughs> no, I going to say this time? I don't know. Uh, look online, Steve, and I think I don't have any pictures on my website. We can go to Google and look up a, a condition called mummy berry and okay. find out more about mummy berry and see if that has any uh, similarity to what you're seeing. Okay, because th these are all old varieties that my grandfather planted 50 years ago, and yeah. they produced like crazy in South Georgia. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. All right, I'll, mummy, mummy berry is the answer this time, and we'll see what I say next time when you call, all right? When, when can I move the, the tea olive? Today, after the rain. Okay. <laughs> when it quits raining? As soon as it quits raining, go for it. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks for calling, Stephen. It Hi. is 847, and we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Breaking news, there is a tornado that's been reported down in Troop County in LaGrange. So if you're in that direction between LaGrange and Griffin, the storm looks like it's particularly severe between LaGrange and Griffin. Keep it tuned to News Talk WSB. We'll have full 
coverage of this tornado possibility in LaGrange, Troop County, Griffin, Spalding County as the morning develops. Basically today it's going to be stormy in Atlanta. No, at least right now, chances of thunderstorm, big thunderstorms or tornadoes in Atlanta. I'm looking at Storm Tracker HD radar and seeing where the severe weather is. It's south of Atlanta for the most part, down around my mother's house in Fayette County. So we'll see about that. The high today around 70 degrees, storms throughout the day, some tomorrow and clearing tomorrow afternoon, high again around the high 60s tomorrow afternoon. Your full weekend forecast as well as breaking news about the weather comes from News Talk WSB in 10 minutes. At 8.54, who we got next? Bill's in North Carolina. And Bill joins us on Lana Garden. Hey, Bill, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? I have some rhododendrons that are about uh, 12 feet tall. There's a length of them of about 20, 25 feet. Yeah. And they're planted right in front of a retaining wall, so one, one side backs up against the wall. I want to cut these back to about four feet. Ooh. Is there any foliage at that four-foot level, or is it all back to hard just, branches? Just on the outside where it gets the sun. Against the wall, of course, there is no foliage. Ooh, they're not <laughs> going to like that, Bill. Oh, man, 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 man. All I, I can say is try it and see, uh, but uh, don't be surprised if three years from now you have brown stubs with a few leaves on the ends of them looking out at you. That's just the way I think it's going to happen. Well, they are so overgrown, they're growing into all the other plants, yeah. but they're beautiful plants. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I could come up with uh, would be to just tear them out and replace them. There's no shame in doing that. When plants exceed their usefulness in the landscape, Sometimes you just have to say, I know I've enjoyed the heck out of these things for 20 years, but right now there's not much I can do to fix the situation other than take them out. And uh, maybe you could use the limbs as a part of a fence or part of a windbreak or part of a pile for the wildlife to live in or something useful in the landscape. At least do that. But sometimes you just have to take things out. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Good luck with it. Find something that doesn't go quite so big in such a period and it blooms, and we'll get a replacement for the rhododendrons. Oh, I'll do that. All right, Bill. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Walter. Don't forget, tomorrow, Sunday, get your copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They have a big, full, in-depth report on the new interstate toll lanes, 75 toll lanes, and the plan to solve traffic problems and how much it's going to cost for it. You're driving down there south of uh, Atlanta down to Henry County. $295 in, com- in coupon savings in the paper tomorrow as well in the AJC. It's been a great Saturday morning because I got to spend it with two of my favorite people. Uh, who? Jason, somebody. Jason Byers is here taking us on the air as well as Ashley Frasser screening our calls. We do have a good conversation between the breaks. I wish sometimes you were privy to those conversations. If you didn't get your question answered today, of course, go to WalterReeves.com. There's a search line there. We'll take you through all the 14,000 articles of plan identification and everything else you might need. You can find some information that might be useful to you as well. If you don't see it before, let's go next Saturday morning. What about right here, right now, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m.? We'll see you for another edition of Lawn and Garden.